God always acts in a situation on his word, what he said. He does not change. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. My name is Rod Hemmer. I'm Janice. And this is Bible Discovery TV. As we go through the Bible, we learn so much. We are in Jeremiah chapter 14 to 16 today. We're going to focus, and this is really, really good. We're going to focus on chapter 14, verse 11. That's where we're going to study today because the previous years we've studied last year or so. Anyway, uh, Corey and Ryan are here. Corey, what's up? I'm going to be talking about the prophecies that we read in Jeremiah chapter 15. Ryan? Does God's anger last only for a moment or does it last forever? That's the question I'm going to be attempting to answer today on the program. Very good question. Excellent. Mm -hmm. Their programs or their pieces are coming up in 20 minutes time. Janice is later on, 25 minutes. Janice, what are you going to do? Sword, famine, pestilence. All right, so take your Bible guide, turn to today's passage, open up the Bible, and let's listen to what God is saying to us. Jeremiah 14, verses 11 through 18. Then the Lord said to me, Do not pray for this people for their good. When they fast... I will not hear their cry. And when they offer burnt offering and grain offering, I will not accept them. But I will consume them by the sword, by the famine, and by the pestilence. Then I said, Ah, Lord God, behold, the prophets say to them, You shall not see the sword, nor shall you have famine, but I will give you assured peace in this place. And the Lord said to me, The prophets prophesy lies in my name. I have not sent them, commanded them, nor spoken to them. They prophesy to you a false vision, divination, a worthless thing, and the deceit of their heart. Therefore thus says the Lord concerning the prophets who prophesy in my name whom I did not send, and who say, Sword and famine shall not be in this land. By sword and famine, those prophets shall be consumed. And the people to whom they prophesy shall be cast out in the streets of Jerusalem because of the famine and the sword. They will have no one to bury them, them nor their wives, their sons nor their daughters for I will pour their wickedness on them. Therefore you shall say this word to them. Let my eyes flow with tears night and day, and let them not cease. For the virgin daughter of my people has been broken with a mighty stroke, with a very severe blow. If I go out to the field, then behold, those slain with the sword. And if I enter the city, then behold, those sick from famine. Yes, both prophet and priest go about in a land they do not know. Jeremiah chapter 14, verses 11 through 18. Today we read Jeremiah 14, Jeremiah 15, and Jeremiah 16 as we continue to go through the Bible. And I want to encourage you, if you're joining us by reading through the Bible, congratulations and thank you. This is awesome. 
But if you can't, we're just going to study 14, 11 through 18 today, these verses, because there's so much here. There will come a time when we will no longer be able to pray for those who have chosen, chosen to reject God. Now, that's why it is good idea for Christians to spend time praying now. Soon the Lord will take us away and the tribulation will surface. That's what I believe. Someone will appear on the world scene like a great hero, a type of Messiah who actually will be the Antichrist. There is a parallel in history of how God will respond to these people and who they will be. God has spent significant measure of time attempting to gain the attention of his people, but they would not listen to him. God instructed Jeremiah not to pray for their good any longer because of their time, that it was coming to an end. Many so-called prophets had risen up prophesying lies in God's name, claiming words and commands that the Lord had not given. God would call a time of correction. And that's one of the things we see with Jeremiah. This is an incredible prophet, I'll tell you. And as we study this, verses 11 through 18, what is a prophet? A lot of people need to rethink their ideas. People will say, well, I believe this guy's a prophet or that guy's a prophet. It's not what you believe. But what does the Bible say a prophet is? And this is where we learn today some important things. So, Father, I pray as you would help us to learn from your scripture, that you would help us to learn today in the name of Jesus Christ, that we can understand what it means to be someone who truly is a prophet of God. And a prophet teaches your word, does not go against your word, and your word is always right. No matter what happens, your word is always right. Thank you for showing us who is not a prophet and who is. Help us to keep our minds focused on the Bible so that we can learn the difference between real and false. Thank you, Lord, in Jesus' wonderful name. And all of us said together, amen and amen. Now, turn your Bible guide to today's passage. If you don't have one, write to us or call us. Otherwise, go to BibleDiscoveryTV.com and click on the Bible Guide page. It'll eventually take you to a download page where you can download it as we printed it. Right now, let's look at Jeremiah 14, verses 11. Through 13. This is interesting. Then the Lord said to me, do not pay or pray for this people. Don't do it. Don't pray for their good. Verse 12. When they fast, I will not hear their cry. I won't. And when they offer burnt offerings and grain offerings, I will not accept them. I won't. But I will consume them by the sword, by the famine, and by the pestilence. And then I said, Oh, Lord God, behold, the prophets say to them, You shall not see the sword, nor shall you have famine, but I will give you assured peace in this place. Interesting. God acts on his word alone. The Bible is key. His word alone. We must listen and know the word of God. Do not be deceived. Do you remember Matthew 24? The first thing that Jesus Christ said to all of the men who asked him, Lord, when will this take, when the end of time, when will it take place and, and what will happen? What did Jesus say? The first thing he said, absolutely above anything else, do not be deceived. Do not be deceived. 
Very interesting. We'll get to that in the New Testament. It's going to be good. All right. Jeremiah 14, 14 to 16, it says this. And the Lord said to me, the prophets prophesy lies in my name. Lies. I have not sent them, commanded them, nor spoken to them. They prophesy to you a false vision, divination, a worthless thing, and the deceit of their heart. Therefore, thus says the Lord concerning the prophets who prophesy in my name, whom I did not send, and who say, sword and famine shall not be in this land. I'll tell you, by sword and famine, those prophets shall be consumed. They will. And the people to whom they prophesy shall be cast into the streets of Jerusalem because of the famine and the sword. They will have no one to bury them, them nor their wives their sons, nor their daughters, for I will pour their tears of wickedness on them. Man, that's incredible. God will punish those who falsely claim to speak God's word, and they do not speak God's word. Beloved, we must listen to the Lord and to his word, not to those who can veer us away from his truth. Again, I will say to you, We're broadcasting on many places. We're on the internet. You can find us anywhere. BibleDiscoveryTV.com. Click on it. And I will say this, the word of God. Pay attention to and read the word of God. Everybody runs around listening to this prophet, that prophet. Don't read the word of God. If the prophets back up the word of God, praise God. By the way, look up the word prophet. That's your study at home. It's great in the dictionary. Anyway. Jeremiah 14, 17 to 18. Therefore, you shall say this word to them. Let my eyes flow with tears night and day and let them not cease. For the virgin daughter of my people has been broken with a mighty stroke, with a very severe blow. If I go out to the field, then behold, those slain with the sword. And if I enter the city, then behold, those sick from famine. Yes, both prophet and priest go about in the land they do not know. Now, this is important because we need to understand that God mourns over those who are ignorant. Ignorant means you have not paid attention to what God is doing and you do not know. You haven't read his word. The failure of God's will in our life means the tragic defeat of the enemy in us. Jesus Christ won the war. I want to say this again, many places I'm simply saying, I'm suggesting to you. Actually, I'm saying it. The word of God is always right. The Bible, the 66 books written by the 40 authors over 1500 years, all with the same theme, Jesus Christ. It's right. Read the word of God. Know the word of God. These words of the Holy Spirit will come alive inside of you. What you do is God gives you the Holy Spirit. When you put his words inside of you, then he speaks to you, beloved. This is how it works. And by the way, people who say, I got a word of the Lord from you, well, check it with the Bible. Is that word of the Lord from the Bible? Very important that we pay attention to the word of God, the Bible, because that tells us the truth. God is speaking to each and every one of us whenever we sit down to read the Bible, in my view, That should be every single day. 
just like showering or brushing your teeth or doing anything else. You prepare yourself for the world for going out there by reading the Bible and praying. Very important, two elements, read the Bible and pray. Feel like singing that song, pray every day, pray every day, read your Bible and pray every day. Anyway, there you go. Hi, Rod Hember here. We go through the Bible every year from Genesis 1 to Revelation 22. Now you can join us and watch at the time you like by searching Bible Discovery TV on the Roku box or on Amazon Fire TV. Anytime you want to watch us, we're there. Get a hold of it. Watch us anytime you want to. Today, we're continuing our journey through the book of Jeremiah, and we read a lot in the prophets about God's frustration and anger towards those who refuse to repent and turn to him despite the many, many warnings to do so. And this brings up a related issue, specifically regarding the length of God's anger, because some skeptics have claimed that the Bible contradicts itself on this issue, since passages like Psalm 30 verse 5, Jeremiah 3 verse 12, and Micah 7 verse 18 all seem to indicate that God's anger is very brief. On the other hand, passages such as Numbers 32 13, Jeremiah 17 4, and Malachi 1 4, as well as Matthew 25 41 and 46, seem to claim that God's anger lasts a long time and even for eternity in some cases. So, is God's anger brief or does it last forever? Well, let's examine this apparent contradiction very closely. The Word of God has been under attack since the beginning of time. In the garden when tempting Eve, the father of lies questions God's words. Did God really say? Since then, this sown seed of skepticism has grown and flourished for thousands of years producing the rotten fruit of lies and disbelief. As a result, today we live in an age of record doubt and skepticism towards the scriptures. So skeptical, in fact, that even a skeptic's annotated Bible has been published. However, the lies and errors lie not within God's word, but with the skeptic. For example, critics proclaim that there is a massive contradiction in the Bible regarding God's anger. They cynically ask, how long does God's anger last? Psalms 35, Jeremiah 3.12, and Micah 7.18 all indicate that God's anger is very brief, whereas Numbers 32.13, Jeremiah 17.4, Malachi 1.4, and Matthew 25 verses 41 and 46 all indicate that God's anger is long or even eternal. There are, however, at least two problems with this allegation. First, the critic here has committed the logical fallacy of bifurcation. That is, they have created a false dilemma or an either-or situation. This occurs when a person asserts that there are only two exclusive options, when in fact there is a third possibility. Second, they have also failed to consult the original language of these passages. This is very important, since there are several different types of anger, wrath, indignation, and displeasure. These are often indicated by the specific Hebrew or Greek word used in the context and can denote very significant distinctions. The critic here rolls all these together as if they were one. Also, the Bible teaches that God's anger toward the unrepentant is quite different from his anger toward believers. For the redeemed, God's anger is brief, but for the unrepentant, 
God's anger lasts long or even forever. As far as the two verses in Matthew 25 are concerned, these are referring to punishment with no explicit mention of anger or wrath. In fact, Matthew 25:46, one of the very verses in question, explains clearly that the difference depends on whether the person is positionally righteous or wicked. So the critic's error here is really inexcusable. The Bible is, always has been, and forever will be what it claims to be, the Word of God. So as with a lot of the accusations made against the Bible, the error here was not on the part of the Bible, but of the Bible cynic. As we learned in the segment, the critic once again committed the logical fallacy known as bifurcation, which is when a false dilemma is created. That is an either-or situation. It's also obvious that the critic didn't check the original Hebrew and Greek languages because if this was done, he or she would have realized that there are different types of anger, wrath, indignation, and displeasure. And really, there is no excuse because one of the very verses the critic is questioning, which is Matthew 25:46, clearly teaches that the difference with God's anger depends on whether the person is positionally righteous or wicked. So let's strive to be the former rather than the latter. So in other words, the, the relationship of the person with God, the relationship of our relationship with the Lord uh, is often a big factor in this case or in this situation with God's anger, is it not? Yeah, absolutely, which is exactly what uh, Matthew was teaching there in that passage. So in other words, we don't have quick answers, you know, because today we want quick answers. Just answer yes or no, how does it feel? Uh, and that's essentially how we deal with things. Yes or no, how does it feel? And that's the problem is these problems we run into in society uh, and in all of the things across the board are not a yes or no, how does it feel? And we have to pay attention to what the Bible says because the Bible talks about God and how he responds. Yeah. And so if a believer truly believes in God and wants to respond like God would, then... Yeah. Well, do so. I remember when, when you were preaching years ago and you, would, you, you said you can't microwave faith in Jesus Christ. And that really stuck with me. You know, basically, you know, you were saying we live in a culture that, that wants everything now, now, now. But, you know, it takes time. Things take time. You know, we have a relationship with the Lord and that takes time to develop. And it, because, because unfortunately for you, you don't know this, but I remember when we didn't have microwaves and when we had to cook everything and all of that, the microwaves came along and it was amazing. But that's true. We have not developed an increase in patience mm -hmm. that's naturally. Right. Yeah. And we have to do that with the Lord. It's very, very interesting. Okay. Corey? All right. Well, today we're going to do something a little bit different. Instead of having a prepackaged segment, I just wanted to talk to you about Jeremiah chapter 15 uh, and even going into 16 a little bit, because what we see here in the beginning of Jeremiah chapter 15 is that Jeremiah's message is worse than we initially thought. Not only is judgment coming, but people's repentance can no longer stop the judgment from coming. It's coming no matter what. So let's read, uh, let's read Jeremiah chapter 15, the first few verses here. Then the Lord said to me, even if Moses and Samuel were to stand before me, my heart would not go out to this people. Send them away from my presence, let them go. And if they ask you, where shall we go? Tell them, this is what the Lord says. Those destined for death to death, 
those for the sword to the sword, those for starvation to starvation, those for captivity to captivity. I will send four kinds of destroyers against them, declares the Lord, the sword to kill, the dogs to drag away, the birds and the wild animals to devour and destroy. I will make them abhorrent to all the kingdoms of the earth because of what Manasseh, son of Hezekiah, king of Judah, did in Jerusalem. So we see here corporately that Judah uh, had gone beyond the point of no return. God was obligated now because of his justice to bring down judgment. Now we do know that there was individual repentance because we see Jeremiah, we see Baruch, we see a few other uh, people that pop up in the lifetime of Jeremiah and in the book of Jeremiah that God is going to save from this. But no amount of individual repentance was going to stop the, the judgment of the nation as a whole. But I wanted to look at this because it's really interesting when God says, even if Moses and Samuel were to stand before me, my heart would not go out to this people. Why Moses and why Samuel? What, what, why those? So it's interesting to look at how Moses and Samuel were similar. They were both prophets of God. Both of them were spoken to God uh, God spoke to them in unique ways, is, is how I want to say it. They both ushered in times of covenant and change. So Moses ushered in the covenant of the law and official nationhood for Israel. Samuel ushered in a time of the word of God. Remember before Samuel, there was a famine of the word of God. It was rare. And after Samuel, there's whole schools of prophets that are going on. Uh, and Samuel ushered in the covenant of kingship. Uh, the problem is and was in, in this passage here that both covenants, the covenant of the law ushered in by Moses and the covenant of kingship ushered in by Samuel had been utterly shredded by Judah. The prophets and the priests weren't serving God. The kings weren't serving God. Uh, it was by and large, just failing overall, which is why God instructs Jeremiah in Jeremiah chapter 16, verses one to four, not to start a family, don't get married, don't have kids because judgment is coming no matter what you do. And I want you to focus on my word, not on the things of this earth. So we may not be able to understand God's judgment in its totality, uh, his, his overarching plan for humanity, but we know that he does have a plan. We see this very clearly in scripture. He does have a plan and he is fair and he is merciful and he is loving even at the same time that he brings judgment based on his track record. I really think that we can not only accept that, but rest in his nature. That is a really good point. Excellent. Well done. <laughs> Jan? Well, in Jeremiah chapter 14, sword, famine, and pestilence, there were droughts in the land of God's people. And he spoke through Jeremiah about them. And Jeremiah told God that the people were listening to prophets who were saying that they were speaking in God's name, telling them the opposite of what was going to happen. And in Jeremiah 14, verse 22, we see here that the people are pleading for God's mercy. It says, are there any among the idols of the nations that can cause rain? Interesting question in a time of drought. Or can the heavens give showers? Are you not he, O Lord our God? Therefore, we will wait for you, 
since you have made all these. Where do we put our hope in our trust? Do we put our hope and our trust in ourselves? Do we put our hope and our trust in our money, in our friends, in our community, in our job, in our government? You know what? As Christians, as people who follow the Lord Jesus Christ, we need to keep our lives turned toward God and His Word. That's the living water. Jesus said, remember when He met the woman at the well, the Samaritan woman at the well, and He spoke to her about being the living water? He asked her for a drink, and He said that if she asked Him for a drink and she drank from that water, she would never thirst again. Do you remember that? That's that same God. That's who he is. So it's important that we have the living water in us. Jeremiah 2, going back some chapters, verse 13 says, This is God speaking, For my people have committed two evils. One, they have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters. It's important to hear in a drought, isn't it? and hewn themselves cisterns, broken cisterns that can hold no water. They were trying to create things that could bring them the water. And I'm talking about in a spiritual sense now, Jesus is that living water. And if our trust is not in him, we're going to go through droughts. We are going to go through changes in ourselves and in our natures and in, in, in the world that we live without him. So number one, from this point in Jeremiah, let's keep our relationship with God number one. Second point, don't trust in the things of this world. Trust in God first. Trust in God. Point number three, God is the living water. Remember what Jesus said in John chapter 7, verse 38? Here's what he declared. And here's what you need to decide. Do you believe it or not? He who believes in me As the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Rod? That's very interesting. And if you want to know Jesus Christ, we encourage you today to pray to him. Praying is just talking to God and say, Lord Jesus, I need you today. Help me today. And I choose today to invite you into my life to be Lord of my life. I believe you died on the cross. You allowed yourself to be killed by us and you rose again on the third day. Help me, Lord. I need you now, and I need you today. As we conclude the program today, we're going to pray and uh, you've been looking at the prayer requests that we take very seriously. We dedicate time to it and we pay for that time. So we dedicate that to praying. We need to pray today and join me as we pray to the Lord and we say, Father, I must let people know how you've changed my life, how you've helped me and how you've restored me. Help me, Lord, to share my testimony in Jesus' name. Make it so.